Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at Capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. And brought to you by GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is owned by the Gokongwe Group, the same companies that brought you brands you love like Cebu Pacific and many more. GoTime Bank makes next-level banking a breeze with its convenient account opening process. It takes less than five minutes to get started via the free app. Plus, get your GoTime Bank Visa card at one of their kiosks for free. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. You may visit www.gotime.com.ph for more details. After failing, after learning, this point in time, I took failure as a learning experience for me to do better, to learn from those mistakes and change my strategy. Before, I have these limitations when it comes to my belief, but right now, as a founder, I didn't have any limitations. All I believe is nothing is impossible for me. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to this episode of the Share Podcast. I'm so excited to have this guest here because finally, we're going to be talking about one thing that I am actually very passionate about. It's about cars and spare parts. I'm not one of them uh, car junkies that always buy spare parts or upgrades. My first car was a mess and I've always had uh, car trouble. So <laughs> I kind of know what's wrong with every car. But today, the startup that we'll be featuring technically makes it easy for any person that has some car issues or car needs to be solved. But before I get carried away, I need to welcome to the show the founder and CEO of Piazza PH, Ms. Joneca San Pasquale. Welcome to the show, Joneca. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much, Ron, for inviting me. Um, it's such an honor to be in the OG of podcast, so like, uh, <laughs> to be invited again. Uh, shout out <laughs> to our common investor, the one of the greatest angels out there. Again, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna make him anonymous because I don't think he wants that attention. I just call him 
Chito. Okay. I'll just call him Chito. <laughs> Anonymous, but his name is Chito. Okay. Because I don't want to get too much attention on him that all of a sudden every startup will be flocking him with that. AKA Chito is a common investor of PA and Piazza. And again, shout out to him because it's through him that you said, hey, you should feature Piazza. It's like, I'm, I've heard of you and I've heard great things about you and I've seen you hustle through um, networking events. It's like, hmm, she looks legit and I think she is hustle share ready. But before I get carried away, Janeka, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Janeka, what's your hustle? Yeah, Ron, thanks for the question. I'm Jonica, the CEO and founder. Oh, Jonica, pala. I'm sorry. I am stupid. Okay, Jonica. <laughs> All right, I'll do Why? that. No, I call it Jonica. I'm an yeah. idiot. I'm a Filipino. I'm sorry. Okay, go. <laughs> Jonica. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jonica. All right, so basically, what Piesa does, it's like a digital marketplace for auto parts, and we accelerate growth of automotive retail businesses by making them accessible to anyone and anywhere in the Philippines using our platform. More than that, we make it easier for car owners and both automotive retail owners to have easy access to car parts and services. Yep. And our main goal for Piazza is to change the world of automotive industry. We want the car owners to achieve a seamless automotive experience by bringing the world of auto parts in one platform. And that is Piesa. That is amazing. And that problem really exists. Like what I said prior to introducing you, it is such a pain in the ass when, again, because inevitably all cars have a shelf life. It's just inevitable that you're going to have car problems. <laughs> you're gonna, and as your cars age, uh, you know, there's always going to be something that breaks and prior to having Piazza, it's such a pain in the ass. Either you're going to have to pay top dollar all the time to go to your, uh, to have prevent rent maintenance in your car dealership, which again, can be shady and can be not shady depending on where you buy it. Or you're going to have to go to the centers where you're always going to be bamboozled by those people who want to put tint on your car in Banao. <laughs> Or evangelista, right? Yeah, at least now you can sit comfortably with Piazza and look at Piazza to get that done. But before I get carried away, you know, Jonica, we have a car here as well. Uh, it's very hard to look for the spare parts of it because it's intergalactic. So I need you to buckle up real quick, okay? Because we need to go all, right, all the it. way back and dissect <laughs> how you started out. Were you a Banawi girl? I want to understand that because we're going to have to ride. The Hustle Share Time Machine. I think ikaw yung kailangan magbakala. Kasi ang haba ng kwento ko. Okay, then that's what we're here for. We will dissect everything. All right. So before you even became the founder of Piesa, I want to understand how you started out. What was growing up like? Were you in a automotive family? How 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 did this or and did you have any influences in hustling when you were young? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So to start things off, uh, my family is in the automotive retail industry ah. over the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when to us, we have to go way way back. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Let's go back to uh, let's say about. Uh, 1980s. Yeah. Okay, 1980s. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm also an 80s. I was born in 88. So we good. Right. We good. 
Mm. Ah, 90s ako eh. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Don't bless. I'm your tito. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, it all started from my dad. By the okay. way, my dad is a high school graduate. He was a pahinante. I'm not sure what's the English term of that. But okay, so what, what, is a, what does a pahinante do? For those people who don't understand Tagalog that's <laughs> listening to this. Okay. Yeah, it's like a truck driver assistant. Or hmm. something like that. He, he, the pahinante so, rides shotgun. Because, you know, for example, he's either the navigator or whatnot. He rides shotgun in a in a long, yes. long haul drive. It's to help the driver do it. And sometimes they sub out also, right? They drive as well, depending on that. Yes. So that is a pahinante. And what did he do? He worked at my uncle's automotive retail shop in one of those. And then what he did, what my dad did, is he studied the parts. He studied part numbers. He studied wow. um, uh, models. And then my uncle saw a potential in him. And eventually, he promoted my dad to uh, cashier and then eventually to wow. manager, um, supervisor. So that was how he worked his way up. Mm-hmm. And then sa lahat ng minamanage na na store, Mm-hmm. Among all the stores my uncle has, sa kanya yung may pinakamaraming benta. Wow! So, hustler talaga. There you go. <laughs> Daddy is a he hustler. Is. And mm-hmm. then, until my uncle asked him to be a partner of nice. one of his stores. But eventually, he waited. He waited for two long years and then it didn't happen. Oh, no. So, what he did was, he put up his own auto shop. Auto okay. parts shop, okay. and it became seven branches of auto parts. What? Oh my god, that is so amazing! <laughs> Again, a classic tale of pure hustle coming from all the way down to coming up. But when you were born, I wanted to understand the values because again you can't be going from pahinante working your way up from a cashier to to whatever if you didn't build solid values and solid habits and i'm pretty sure that was instilled with you when you were young because you have seven branches yeah. the easiest people to hire are your kids to watch over the <laughs> the branches right so what were those values that um were instilled with you by uh by your dad and what are the earliest recollections that you've had being involved with the family business? Uh, by the way, um, not just my dad, but also my mom. So they worked wow. together in building the business. I wasn't really inspired by my dad because we grew up in a culture that we highly value academia, we highly value academic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But I think my dad is a living proof, you know, mm-hmm. that more than academic background, you need to have this carpe. Yes, sir. Yes, you need to have a strategy on how to be successful. So one of the values that they instilled on me as a kid is they are very disciplined. So they're very disciplined. They really wake up at, you know, 6 a.m. My dad wow. will run or jog around and then take his breakfast around 7 a.m. And then every time he takes his breakfast, he has a newspaper with him. Wow. And he reads everything, uh, politics, news, opinions, stuff. So I learned how to read the newspaper since I was in grade school. Wow. 
Reading Reader's Digest. Kasi yun yung, yun yung mga binabasa niya, Time Magazine. So, ako yung pumupulot pagtapos na niya basahin. Kasi I was working also on my English that time. So, yeah. I've been reading everything that he writes. And when you talk to my dad, he's really smart. You know, nice. he, know he knows the laws. You know, he's not someone that you could fool or, you know, Budol. someone that you mm-hmm. boss around, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So I was really inspired by that. And I made sure that, you know, when I grew up, I would keep reading. I would keep learning as what I've learned from my dad. Kasi binawi niya eh. Hindi man siya graduate, pero binawi niya eh, di ba? Sa ano, knowledge, sa... Uh, sa sipag. Oo, sipag, dedication, passion, commitment, yun. So... Inaral niya and he makes sure na he learns, you know, yeah. every day. That's amazing. And uh, I agree. Our parents have just an indelible mark. My mom was the same. Her hustle was different. She was a nine to five. She was a single mom. But my God, she was a racketista all throughout. And my flavor of hustle, of giving up, showing up every single day, being you know, as if like nothing happened the day after, I got from my mom. But also, I got involved early on with all these rackets. I want to know how you started getting involved with the... Is it is it the parts business? Because now you have to look at the rack and pinions and all these uh, radiators <laughs> and whatever is broken, right? Because this becomes your lifeblood all of a sudden and it makes so much sense that you're doing Piazza. You just elevate that retail business as all of a sudden. But how early were you involved and what are the things that they asked you to do? Because I've seen so many children of entrepreneurs that Either by choice or by force, <laughs> they get involved in little chores within the family business early, and then it sticks with them because they've been doing it for their whole life. Did you have any experience like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just just to tell my story again about how I started. A lot of things happened, you know, during my puberty years. Because recession happened, and yeah. we got bankrupt. We got oh bankrupt. Oh my god! Out of, oh. out of seven branches, nawala lahat. Holy and then shit. we had to move back to the province. Me and my siblings, we had to study there. And then my mom naman, uh, went to the other side of the Philippines of the country, which is um, sa province. Niya. And he, she started a small business there, okay. which is Ukay Ukay. So um, with this Ukay Ukay, she was able to, you know... Um, scale it <laughs> she was able to grow it to a motor parts store until um nagkaroon ulit siya ng auto parts store nice and then i was 18 i worked in a call center to make ends meet oh, so that i could goodness. study at night and then uh, work in the morning and then i then worked as a freelancer so after two years in call center i worked as a freelancer because i like working from home so i could study Okay. And then I was able to put up enough money. I was able to save. And then at 23, I was able to put up my own motor parts store. Oh, man. That's yeah. amazing. So, Jonica, man, <laughs> the reason why I'm so amazed is I took the similar path. Um, the reason why I sound like this, I didn't grow up in, in the United States of the America. I was a call center <laughs> agent. I was 18. First year of college, I never stopped school. But it was by force. I mean, I wanted to really harness, I guess, the skills. I was always makapalang muka. I was a bolero by default, right? But imagine <laughs> I knew now how to speak English at that point, which still now I still use. And I'd probably the, the main ticket to how I got this far 
But I want to understand the call center grind because, man, every single person that I've started on the call center, I have massive respect for because it's not fucking easy, right? What are the things that you learned in the call center and the freelancing gig that you still carry till now? Because like for me, man, going from my shift back then was 10 o'clock to 7 a.m. I have to sleep for a couple hours and then I go to school at 1, 1 to 5. That's Monday to Saturday. So my only windows are like three hours in the morning, three hours at night. Then I go the whole grind again. And mm-hmm. it taught me something about myself, about resiliency that, you know what, if I just really put my mind and heart into it, I can really sustainably beat myself up to achieve any goal, which comes in handy now when I'm an entrepreneur because it's not easy. It's actually it's very similar to the call center grind. The only difference is you don't have a TL yelling at you. <laughs> it's you yelling yeah. at you, right? Yeah. So what was that like for you? And describe that phase of your life. Yeah, so I was really young when I got into a call center. And parang binibinila ako dun eh. Kasi sobrang bata before. And I remember being coached, you know, by your TL. And then I was just crying. And then, <laughs> yes. I was really a kid. I was emotional. and um, But I learned a lot, definitely. I learned a lot. I learned how to adjust. You know, I learned how to discipline myself because it's not all the time that you're happy working it eh, but you feel the need to you know so you have to force yourself and syempre kainta kasi kami noon eh so kahit bumabagyo kahit bumabaha may pasok ako you know <laughs> where was your site um i worked in a lot of concert calls wow around the east side like in the area uh, eastwood area yeah Okay. So, so I worked in Convergies and Commonwealth. I worked in ICT. Oh my God. Vegas. I worked in NCO. That's NCO somewhere. in, in QC? QC uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ABS. Yes, yes, QAP. I did NCO so, also, uh, by the way, back then. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. What I love about there, it's, there's a free food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I grew fat because of that. Oh my God. Yeah, but I really enjoyed, you know, Working with people, I really enjoyed the company. Tabi ko nga, kahit konti nga lang sahod ko nun eh, pero masaya ako. I mean, right. I'm really happy, you know, whatever. I work whenever, you know, I deal with this, with, with people, with my friends, with my co-workers. Mm-hmm. And I so learn a lot from them because syempre marami kang matutunan eh. I think you learn from each other. Yeah. Especially when you get to hear their stories, their struggles as well. So you get to learn from those. Right. Um. So when I chose to work from home mm. it was a lot of adjustment for me and i am an extrovert you know yep. <laughs> i'm an extrovert i've seen you at hassle so i was like mm, <laughs> a hustler can recognize a hustler from a mile away okay. <laughs> it's like mm, i see her she's doing her thing like Mm-mm. but I, I i didn't know the backstory uh, yeah. and that's why you're here but i can just tell from a mile away <laughs> Do I have that vibe? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I've, I've been in the industry for a long time, so I can see who are the hustlers and who are, you know, the, the type of roles that they play. And you are a hustler, so respect. Mm-mm. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, I got first few months of freelancing got really sad, you know, because there's no one to talk to. I just, it was just myself. I had to depend on myself and yeah. um, just had to learn everything by myself because wala pa nagbebenta ng course nun eh. Diba? I, it was 2000 and 
Sorry, hindi ko nababanggitan. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, it's fine. Like if, still, <laughs> if when you say recession, that's usually around 2008, 2009. So probably it is around 2012, 2013, more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't oh. like that. Oh, see, Bakit I know. Mo ba? Because <laughs> I went through the same process. <laughs> okay. Ayan, ayan. Like, ayan, around that time, there wasn't any courses. It wasn't much coaches. You know, I had I had to rely on myself. Siyempre, I think the jobs available back then are online marketing strategies, SEO, yeah. and siyempre, kahit galing akong call data center. Entry. So, yes, data entry. So, sinabi ko na lang, yes, I know SEO, but I really don't know that. <laughs> I guess I know. <laughs> So I really had to study. Siyempre, para mapanindigan ko. Mapanindigan ko yung sinabi ko sa client. Right. And then I just learned my way through it. And then I built my own motor parts store. And then while I was doing the motor parts, I was still doing freelancing as a side hustle, as a marketing strategist to support the business. A lot of things happened. But after five years, I had to sell that shop. Why? I was really young. I think yeah. for me, it's affecting me financially. I couldn't sustain. I was getting money from the freelancing gigs that I have just to sustain the shop. Mm. So I decided cash in, to just, cash out technically. Yeah. Mm. So I just uh, decided to stop it. And then uh, what happened uh, was I really felt like a failure back then. I got really depressed. Sabi ko mas mas masakit pato sa ano sa breakup. Because my first baby, it's my, it was my first baby. And yeah. then I had to really let it go because I need to. Mm. And I searched for myself. I attended a lot of leadership training. I attended a lot of seminars. Even mm. went to school to study, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. Mm. And when I found myself, I decided to share what I know, coach, you know, train. And mm. then eventually, um, I started my own training company. Nice. That's amazing. Now, I want to understand, Janika, a um, couple things. Um, call centers, freelancing, I did both. I totally understand. But it just teaches you so much about, number one, the ability to learn on your own. Because again, the difference between the call center is a call center builds resiliency in you. It's just intense day in, day out and repetitive and it's easy to quit. But once you jump ship to freelancing, I did this in between my first startup. So I know the feeling of losing your first startup because I failed too spectacularly. And that's what also drives me. I don't ever want to feel that again. In between my first startup and my second startup, I did freelancing as well to make ends meet. It's, I don't have a lot of nobody. I don't have a safety net. So I got to put up, right? While you're also nursing your wounds. But the skills I accumulated during that time is just like life-changing. I want to understand two things. What are the soft skills and the hard skills you developed over that period of call center, freelancing, and doing your side business on the side that prepared you to where you go now? Can you talk about those hard skills and soft skills? Uh, is that for both corporate and freelancing? Yeah. I mean, whatever you accumulated over that time, what did you learn about yourself that you accumulated? Because this will obviously take effect when Piazza comes in, but this is your MBA. Mm-hmm. We always say it, that the failure is the MBA that prepared you that if you try again, it's a total different outcome. But you've, the win that you got here are the skills and the ability to cope, whatever those are. So can you talk about, again, those hard and soft skills you accumulated over that time? Yeah. So 
Um, when I work in a call center, I was able to work on definitely my social skills. Because, mm. you know, when we got back up, I got really depressed. I think I had stopped studying for like a year. Mm. And when I got back, when I started attending school, I was a loner. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know if someone invites me for a lunch. I didn't know how to say yes. You know, I the words just couldn't get out of my mouth. And that, that was how bad it was. That's how bad it affected me. And, wow. you know, when my best friend back then invited me to her taboo, she was introducing me to everyone and I just couldn't say a word. Mm, <laughs> that was how bad it is. But when I started working in a call center, I was able to work on my social skills little by little. They helped me. They gave me advice and also how to stand for myself because I didn't know back then I was too young. I was just really okay with everything, whatever, whoever you are. I was just like agreeing to everything. That's how naive I was before. But, yeah. you know, working in a center made me really stand up for myself, set principles you know, to survive, to live, oh. yeah, build a character that could protect myself from anyone. Because, you know, as much as you want people to be kind, the reality is not. Yep. So I have to build that character. And I was able to build that when I worked with people, when I learned different kinds of behaviors of yeah. people, when I understand, you know, where they were coming from yeah. and have to develop that kind of trait. But freelancing, the man, both has pros and cons, but both has helped me develop the character that I am now and develop that mindset I have now. Both experience made me really who I am today. So we're freelancing. It's totally different when it comes to corporate because corporate is it's more like, you know, it has structure, it has SOPs, it has procedures, you know, it has a system and just have to follow that. You know, we freelancing, it's like, you're also your own boss. Yes, you have a boss. You have an employer. But most of the time, you have to solve problems on your own. Yes. Regardless if there is a structure, regardless if there is a system in place, it's, up, it's always up to you to follow that system or do your own system. Okay, right. Follow that procedure. Do your own procedure. So... The skill that I acquired with freelancing is I often think outside of the box. Yeah. You know, I developed that kind of mindset where it's mostly problem solving for me. Yes, it's exactly. Mostly, yes, adaptability for me. Because digital, because I'm into the digital marketing space right. and freelancing. And Digital marketing space is very broad and it's always upgrading. It's always updating, you know, um, updating its uh, algorithm or whatsoever. And you always have to adapt to that. You always have to learn that. You always have to think of a strategy on how you could excel or how you could make your way up and prove or provide results to the client. Yes. So all of them helped me a lot to develop the character that I have today. That's a killer combo. Imagine having that built the discipline that you've built in. And again, the resiliency. So you don't, nobody can F with you in the call center and then having that ability to do problem solving in a world of startups. And again, knowing what I know now in my third startup, it's so rare 
to get people that actually can solve problems. Because most of the time when you hire, you always go to uh, someone and, hey, solve my problem. What do I do? Because people are designed to think that way. In school, that's how people are trained. Like, you know, someone will give you the instruction until someone gives you the instruction, you're, you have technically, you don't have a task. And as a startup founder, you need to have that uncanny ability to develop really that sense of what needs to be done. Because when you're a founder, you just don't have anyone to tell you what's it going to be. But if you already had that foundation very early on, now I am very much impressed of why you got this far this quick. But before we get carried away, let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now continue the story of how you did call center. You did freelancing and failed in your first try at your automotive parts business and continue the story while how you got into coaching and also building Piazza. But let's talk about that more after the break. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, hustlers, how are companies like Pizza Hut, Tech in Asia, and Love Bonito saving $28,000 a year? Well, Aspire is an all-in-one finance solution designed for modern businesses. Over 15,000 companies across Asia are using Aspire to streamline business financial processes, saving both time and money. Now, Aspire understands the demand of your business, and these are their offers. Lightning-fast international transfers enabling money movement across 130-plus countries. The best FX rates with no hidden fees ensuring transparency. And multi-currency accounts in U.S. dollars, euros, great British crowns, Singaporean dollar, Indonesian rupiah, and more, facilitating transactions in multiple currencies. And guess what? Opening an account can be done 100% online, making access to a global business account effortless. Aspire works with thousands of startups across Asia, offering an easy way to open a business account to receive investments from VCs. Aspire is backed by global top-tier VCs, including Sequoia and Y Combinator, and has been recognized by CB Insights as one of the top 100 most promising fintechs globally. Join over 15,000 businesses across Asia that have already made the switch to Aspire and experience the feature of business finance. For more details, visit AspireApp.com. That's A-S-P-I-R-E-A-P-P.com. Again, that's AspireApp.com. And let's make business finance simple, integrated, and borderless together. We're living in weird times, so EsquireMag.ph is here to remind you about all things that matter. From current events, culture, style, food, money, cars. So you can have a feeling and can form an opinion about all aspects of the world you live in. 
EsquireMag.ph, the single best source for everything you love, intelligent and stylish, timely and timeless, substantial and irreverent, and a little bit weird. Everything that matters is here, EsquireMag.ph. And we're back from the break. We are still with Janica Sampasquale. Okay, I pronounce it the right way now. I'm not butchering your name, but again, super, super amazed by your background now. But after, again, those foundational experiences being in a call center, being a freelancer and failing at your first try of doing the online or the precursor of Piazza, what was the next step? So you said you got into coaching. I want to understand why coaching and why was that the next move you did? Um, When I was searching for myself, I attended seminars, trainings, leadership trainings. And I was just so amazed with the speakers, how they talk, the public speakers and all that, the trainers. And I just suddenly told myself, one day, one day, something like that. I just kept it at the back of my mind. I wasn't really sure. You know, I wasn't really sure because I'm not that type to really talk in public. I'm an extrovert. I have already developed the habits of an introvert. So I got really shy. And so I was working as usual. But then I've met a lot of people in the freelancing community. I was really inspired by a lot of leaders in the freelancing community, like, you know, John Bagalaya, Nick Sinigo, like Alan Ngo and all that. And I was really inspired by them. And I just told myself, I want to be like them who coaches, you know, who teaches their skills, their knowledge, their experience. And so I made sure that I have these knowledge myself. I have these skill sets myself before I could share it. And then I just decided one day that I will organize my own event. Oh. And, you know, speak to people close to me. I remember organizing my first ever Speaking event that was October 7, 2017. Oh, okay, nice. I just invited everyone, like people close to me, my friends, my family, and I was just speaking eight to five. And I'm just because it bothers me. I was working, but then it bothers me. I have to be, uh, I have to be this, I have to be this. And I couldn't sleep. And I just told myself, yeah, I just have to do it. I don't want to wait people to invite me i'll just create my own <laughs> yep. and i just did it and i was really sweating that was my first time talking to a lot of people in public and that was my first time i was sweating i was nervous and i just told myself <laughs> how many people turned up when when you when you invited them uh, 15 okay like that's that. that's a that's a nice crowd that's yeah. a, that's a good start that was my mom, my siblings, <laughs> my brother, my sisters. Mm-hmm. I ran. But yeah, I was, I was practicing. And then at the end of the day, some of my friends, you know, came up to me and they said, hey, I got really inspired with your talk. Hey, um, it helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, that was the first time I kind of felt this fulfillment. Nice. You know, that I did something, you know, for... for for the society, for the community. Mm. And I like that feeling. I had discovered my passion, you know, to helping, coaching people. And so even though I'm really busy with business, family business, 
I have this YouTube channel where I just do vlogs, where I just teach people some things about, you know, leadership, mindsets, relationship, mm-hmm. business. It still has been my passion. That's how I continue sharing my knowledge to public and to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, pandemic happened. And back then, you know, corporations are inviting me to train. But pandemic happened and I didn't have any bookings for corporate giants. And I just had to think of a way to survive. And I saw an opportunity when my mom and dad kept on complaining about their lack of sales. Yeah, because everybody's locked in, right? <laughs> yes. And then uh, they don't have costs and all that. Eh, ako, I have this marketing background, diba? Right. And so I helped them. I helped them put up their products online through Lazada and Shopee. And then nakita ko bumenta talaga sila. Oh. So naisip ko, baka hindi lang sila yung may kailangan. Baka marami rin automotive retail owners yung may kailangan ng service ko, ganyan-ganyan. Mm. And so I built a startup out of it. And I invited some partners to co-found Pieza mm. to help me build Pieza. And then I joined acceleration programs. Nice. Uh, three months in building Pieza, mm-hmm. developing Pieza. I already joined a competition, um, acceleration program, which, which is one? Idea Space. Shout out, Idea Space. Kat Chan and all the boys, Ben <laughs> Butch. Shout out, Alvin. Everyone. So, Butch, hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was really surprised. Because nakasama kami sa top 10. And I'm like, oh, we're doing something here. Panindigan na natin to. Right, right. Panindigan na natin to. And December that year of operations, mm-hmm. may nag-invest namin. Wow. May nag-invest. Yes. Very nice. It's like, okay, okay, this is it. This is like... <laughs> This is our destiny. This is what we should be doing. Panindigan na and um, you mm-hmm. know how to do whatever it takes right. to scale and grow. Because um, I think we're doing something for the community in the automotive retail industry. Yep. And so there's a huge responsibility on our shoulders to fulfill that, to fulfill our mission. So I have a question, Janika. So obviously the signs are already there. You did well, you got into idea space, you got funding. But you won't get this far if you didn't change something else. Because you've tried this before, right? Uh, you've tried this before and it failed. What did you do differently this time that probably gave you a better shot to get this far out? Because again, was it a timing issue? I want to understand what you did differently. Because there's something about failure or failing before that it leaves you... Again, with pain that you don't want to ever feel again, but it also gives you lessons. Lessons that make you a better founder, make you a better leader. What Mm. were those for you? Mindset. What changed for me was the mindset. I took failure as a way, you know, to see myself that, you know, there's a problem with me. And so I took it against me. I took failure as something to attack me. And blame everything to myself. But after failing, after learning, this point in time, I took failure as a learning experience for me to do better, 
to learn from those mistakes and change my strategy. Before I have these limitations when it comes to my belief, but right now as a founder, I didn't have any limitations. All I believe is nothing is impossible for me. It's always a matter of strategy. So if I want 1 million next month, I can achieve that. It's a question of strategy. What is your strategy to achieve that? Mm -hmm. So I often find ways for me to get that mark, regardless Mm -hmm. of difficulty and challenges, but of course, still keeping my values in place. That's amazing. So again, spoken like a real hustler. I love it. Uh, I love your story. I love how your mindset is, but you can't do this alone, Janika. You said you needed a team. You need to assemble that team because the strategy, again, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face, right? (laughs) You're going to have to adapt. Uh Um, How did you then build the team that allowed you to hit those strategies? Because again, success is a team sport. You can't do this alone. No matter how good you are as a founder, you need to surround yourself with people that are aligned with your values and aligned with what you wanted to achieve. And if those were the ambitious uh, strategies you had or ambitious goals you had, you need to surround yourself with the right team. What was that like? And how did you even build Piazza from an MVP and also get generating traction? Uh-huh. So Sabinella, if you're self-employed, you do everything on your own. Yep. But if you're an entrepreneur, you hire people to work for you and you hire people smarter than you to help you. So um, I'm very lucky, you know, that I've met the right people for my team and for Piazza. One of my co-founders is Olivia, and I met her like a year before we put up Piazza. And I just saw the skills in her her potential and her team that could help me really uh, build Piazza. All right. And another thing is... Um, of course, I'm very lucky to have a brother who is a programmer. Oh, nice. My brother is a programmer. And sempre, I don't want to look anywhere else, but, yeah. you know. Keep it within the he family. Has, so he helped, he helped me help us develop this technology for the automotive retail industry. And we're very excited, actually, because everything is coming into place. Everything is becoming a reality for us. And last week of May, we are planning to organize an event product launch, you know, for Piazza. And I'm just really happy. I'm just really uh, thankful, grateful for everyone uh, who's been a part of Piazza, who believed in Piazza. Mm. And, you know, grateful for, you know, podcasts like this as well that can get Piazza's vision across to a lot of people. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful. And I'm excited to change the landscape of uh, automotive retail as a whole. That's amazing. Again, at the end of the day, the team, the founding team is the most important thing. But again, no matter how good your team is, no matter how good the circumstances is, startup life is one of the most brutal things that can happen to you because there's out of 10 tries, nine things can go wrong. I want to now understand first, what are the first few punches you guys took in the face? And how did you react to that? Because again, it's all fun in games when you look at like, oh my God, I had an amazing team, blah, blah, blah. But the real life, when we talk about startup life, it's about fucking enduring pain and failure after failure and failure until you find something that works. What were those things that you had to guys overcome? Uh, Yeah, so we joined Idea Space, but... 
we were in the top 10 and there will be top three who will get, you know, funding, help, ideas, yeah. but we didn't win, didn't win, but that's fine. That's fine. That's, that's okay. And we joined some other competitions. We always get in the top 10, but we often didn't win. The most painful competition that I joined and yeah, we didn't win was the Shell Shell Livewire competition. Ah, the accelerator one. Mm-hmm. Shell Livewire competition. And for someone, because I know in myself that I did everything, mm. that I worked hard, you know, to build the business, develop the business, hire the right team. But at the end of the day, you didn't win. It's like you question a lot of things. You question your capacity, your skills, your value, your worth as a founder and what you're doing wrong. And if, you know, you should pursue it, you still have to move forward because everything seems so hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and, you know, after this date, even though we joined competitions and acceleration program, we still haven't gotten, you know, a top spot for PSI. And that's fine because every failure is a learning experience. And so we always learn from those failures and we do our best to apply what we've learned to building this business. Mm. And we know, we know in ourselves that one day, one day we'll get that top spot. Yeah. And it's a matter of when. Yeah. And then I'll just chime in here a little bit because when I was in my first startup, I'll carbon date myself so much out of this. The very first uh, startup <laughs> competition, pitching competition that I've joined was in 2012. We're in 2023 as we're recording. So this is fucking 11 years ago. <laughs> so again, it's the same shit. There's just a different wow. set of startups. So again, it was the same. I'm always in the top. I made it to the top three. So it's a couple of things that happened. I was also, I had a day job in 2012 when I joined on three startup uh, pitching competition. That was one of the most premier ones. The promise was they will probably send you to, again, I just didn't understand what was the price. They send you to Silicon Valley now. And we got into the top six. We're a finalist. I thought that was it. Apparently, it's not yet. First thing I did the day after we won, got into the top six, I resigned. It's like, all right, we're going to go Silicon Valley. We're going to get funded and all that shit, right? Like, yeah, we, were all, we were on TV, all the press and all that. I was just being naive. Being naive. And we never got Silicon Valley. I just didn't understand what was at stake. And one thing that I realized here, Jonica, was, and this is what I wanted to also probably teach you younger founders. Yes, the startup pitching competition is great because at the end of the day, as founders, we're all competitive. We want to be the number one, right? And all that. But knowing what I know now, a lot of those people that I was competing with in those startup pitching competition, I'd probably say 95% of those startups are dead. Dead. So what this taught me is this. In startup, startup life, the real competition is not the glitz and glamour because we all want that limelight. I understand. I like that thrill too. The only difference now is I get it on a different every fucking week because I have hustle share. But what it taught me was the real thing that matters is your startup achieves the real metrics that matter. The fundamentals. Uh, are you still even alive? Because a lot of those people, I, I, I did another one in Chatbot BH. Chatbot BH is dead now. <laughs> before we got acquired, right before we get acquired. A lot of people I competed with there, 
also probably half of them are dead. So the startup pitching competitions, knowing what I know now, it's great to do several things. Number one is to get attention of investors at one place. So it doesn't matter if you win the competition or not, as long as you get the attention from the right investors, right? Number two, you might attract the right customers. Like, oh my God, this is such a founder. It's more of a highlight. The same way I'm doing it now with HustleShare, but now it's just a spotlight on you. You don't have any kalaban. You are the star of this week, Jonica. And forevermore, it will be immortalized in the interwaves of Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And third, on a personal note, it's like you feel that you belong because not everybody gets to that top 10, top five, whatever. You prove yourself to yourself that, oh, okay, we're part of it. But the real game that I just realized is not when you get the, because I've, okay, again, uh, just doing hindsight, I've done 11 years of pitching competitions as a judge, as a contestant, whatever. A lot of those people that win go through the same fucking struggle where we do. The only difference that sometimes they get is they have a cash price, which probably they'll blow in one month for, on payroll anyway. <laughs> so it's, at the end of the day, the real battle, the real competition is are you able to hit your metrics and hit the ambition? Because at the end of the day, again, just knowing how I've won in competitions, but man, you want to know what the best feeling in the world is, Jonica, that I still yeah. am chasing is when you fucking exit, when you oh. sell your fucking company. Oh my yes, God. Yes, <laughs> Yes, exactly. I've felt that before and it's like all the hassle, all the hustle, all the sacrifice and all the bullshit in between just felt like it was worth it when you finally get your company acquired. And I know it's just inevitable knowing what you know now and knowing also your backstory, Jonica, I'm rooting for you and your team. You are a hustler. I have nothing but respect and I'm rooting for you. It's just a matter of fucking time. All right, now let's take our last break. And when we come back, let's now uh, dissect further what Piazza is doing, how they were able to acquire customers, how did they get the supply and demand side, and what's next for them. We'll talk about that more after the break. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, 
scan and pay with QRPH and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Janica, who then told us the amazing journey that they've done in Piazza. And I, there's so many parallels in our journey. Okay, but again, I'm rooting for you. I'm a big fan now. Go, Piazza, go. But before we continue, I want to now understand. Obviously, it's a marketplace. And one of the hardest business models that you can do are marketplaces because it's double-sided. There's a supply side and there's a demand side, right? Typically in YC, if you look at Y Combinator, they always advise that if you can have a cheat code in one side, like for example, cheat code in the supply where you don't have to acquire and make it open-ended, do that. But it looks like you guys have been able to do that. I want to now understand how you guys did it. So obviously, you have a cheat code with supply. You've been in auto parts for your whole life. Let's talk about supply first in Piazza. How were you able to get the right parts? Because if you don't have the right parts and people still have to go to Banawe or Evangelista to get their parts, then there's really no competition. How were you able to generate the supply in Piazza? So um, to start things off, definitely we did a lot of shop visits. We did a lot mm. of searching, did a lot of interviews, and also we attended some events where we, you know, we could meet a lot of suppliers as well in the field. And also I asked help by my dad. <laughs> Good thing. I think that's one of our leverage and good thing that you know my dad and my mom has been in the industry for like so long and mm-hmm. they know the ogs and the supply side of things and i'm really lucky we're really lucky you know to top those suppliers as well mm-hmm. a lot of people know here how huge the automotive retail industry is it is really huge and yep. import and exports alone 
is worth hundred billions of dollars. Yep. And yet, this is the industry that is so difficult to innovate. It's so difficult to develop in terms of technology because parts alone is very hard. And you know, the catalogs here in the Philippines are still in booklets. You know, and then magazine forms, and it takes a lot of time encoding that to the computer or the platform. That's where we come in. We help out. We help out. Also, dissect you know these catalogs and digitize it and upload it on the website or e-commerce channels. So what we did is we analyze and we made sure that we understand the problems of these automotive retail owners and mm-hmm. you know how we can provide help to them. And so what we did is we collated all the suppliers, even tapped into these mom and pop shops and yeah. make sure that we have a database and make sure that we curated you know all of the information that we need to provide to our customers. Mm-hmm. And so when a customer asks for an availability of an item, we know who to tap. We have a huge database of suppliers and you know we know who's the cheapest. You know, we know who's who in terms of you know getting that supply for our customers. Got it. Now, how did you get them to buy in? Because you know how if they're mom and pop, some of these guys are very competitive. Like, I don't want to work with Dodong because Dodong is my number one competitor in Banawe. Why will I want to work with them and whatnot? And, you know, there's going to be have some, going to have some behavioral changes for them to cooperate because at the end of the day, obviously, the end result is you got them to buy in. But it must have been a lot of, you know, wheeling and dealing that you had to go through just to make sure that all these preconceived notions that they have with cooperating with you is there and also the other thing that I wanted to know is how did you make sure that so you know the cheapest and since you are re- retailing also there needs to be a really good margin from your end because you're technically getting that supply from somewhere else you're put going to have to put a markup you have to get that cheap enough to the point where the user is still going to be willing to buy from you and not go direct na lang how did you get that done um yeah just a position itself as a reseller so even though we don't do inventories, even though we don't buy in bulk, most of the time we order um, repetitively. And so that's when we get the discount, you know, ah, as a wholesale. As a yes, yes. Hindi kami ng bultuhan. High frequency. Yes. So we still get the same discount, you know, through the suppliers and and distributors. And we make sure that we do our competitor research for us to position in a way na reasonable yung pricing namin sa mga customers. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're selling items and the most attribute that they're looking at in a business is the pricing. Absolutely. Yeah, pricing definitely. If, if you're an e-commerce business, it's not all the time that you're only looking for the price, but it's one of the most important thing. And so you do, you need to have your research, you need to have your advantage, you know, among competitors. So uh, we make sure that we offer really reasonable price. Um, we even offer bundles, you know, sometimes. And we make sure that it's available. Got it. Now, I, I want to understand the, the demand side, 
right? Because obviously there's demand. You, you've seen that it's happened already with the first iterations when you put it in Lazada and Shopee. But now having it in your own marketplace is a totally different shift in behavior because obviously, again, people will probably have to combat several behaviors that are still in there. The old school titos of Manila or titos will always, once they feel like, oh my God, I have a busted signal light. Oh my God, my radiator is broken. The default old school behavior is you go to fucking Banawe, get bamboozled by the tit boys, <laughs> and go to your soaking tindahan somewhere. There. I've done this so many times, it's not even funny. Or again, you're going to have to find online. How did you build that trust with your first initial early adapters? To start trusting you to buy that and not go to their old behavior of again probably going Banawe or wherever their soaking talier would be. Um, there's always this saying I've read it from a book that before you ask for help, you need to touch someone's heart first. And so before we ask favors from the suppliers, we ask for their price list. We ask if they can do this, can do that. We make sure that we provide them results first. We make sure that, you know, when they send us their price list, we uh, return the favor by giving them you know, the customers they need, giving them the sales. And once we do that, we instantly build trust, you know, with them because mm. we provide results mm. and we give them the customers that they want. And yeah. I think it's a two-way relationship, you know, Absolutely. after that. But where did you get the customers, the early adopters? Because again, there's old behavior that you're going to have to get rid of. And where did that come from? Because at the end of the day, if you have that good relationship with your your supplier, but again, nobody's buying, then yeah. well, that end, right? It's, it's still going to be doing that. How did you get those initial customers that repeatedly bought in bulk? Early on, um, of course, we're just developing our website, our marketplace back then. Mm. But we started with um, what's available, and that is Shopee and Lazada. Ah. So we got our first customers, yeah, and they already have their own database. And mm. so when we developed the website, we start tapping into um, corporations, you know, big big guys mm. who would all order in books, and that's when we've headed off with the big guys in logistics and fleets ah. and other that need parts. Yeah. And what were these items that they were like, what? Change oil, right? Oil filter, brake pad, <laughs> what were the rack? Uh, um, uh, tinga <laughs> for, for balancing. So I've pretty much broken every single thing in a car that's uh, that can can break, right? So what are these high volume items that we're talking about? Because at the end of the day, you're right. With the boom of logistics, it will be so much expensive if you have say trucking lalamu business whatever right your those things will break through wear and tear because of the usage and if you don't have your internal talier this shit's gonna cost you a lot if you're gonna have to go through casa every single time right what were these yeah. things that you saw that there's a lot of volume and high repetition that you said that still allowed you to get the great discounts from the supplier side yeah, so definitely um, the main parts that, you know, are being ordered are the PMS parts. So mm. PMS parts, you know, oils. Spark plug. Yes, spark plugs, oil filter, air filter, cabin filter, um, brake pads, brake shoe, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And so those are the items that we made sure that are available from Piesa and mm. we can provide to the customers. And more than that, the best seller talaga ng Piesa are tires. You know, yung mga yes. tires, batteries, ganyan. Yes. Batteries. Now I know where to buy batteries next time. Because uh, that's always, <laughs> a, I don't care who you are. And how good your day is, but your shit gets steric and you get discarga again. Uh, oh my God, it will ruin your day. Definitely, right? definitely. And so, yeah, those are, those are the items that are often being ordered, you know, from Kiesa. And we just strategize on how we can better, you know, be of service to those people who need those um, bestseller items. Alibawa, for tires, if you're in Metro Manila, we offer it, you know, free delivery na lang, especially nice. kung sa order mo, diba? So like, so, so like those, those kinds of promotions, campaigns, um, yeah, we, we do it here on Piesa. And Janica, you live this life for God knows how long. You, you grew up with parts. <laughs> Probably your toys back then was a rack and pinion or a, <laughs> or a handbrake, a broken handbrake, you know. <laughs> so you knew this by heart. So again, just a perfect business for someone with this background. But I want to understand now, knowing what you know, what are the metrics you guys measure? Or what are the metrics you care about the most in chasing? Because you, you mentioned earlier that you set your sights into a goal and there's the right strategy. There needs to be a measure on how you know you're hitting that target. What are those metrics you guys care about? Yeah, so of course, aside from the usual gross sales, the uh, usual expenses, operating expenses, we want to measure as much as possible of our net profit. Yes. And our CM ratio. CM ratio is like your margin. What is our margin? CM is like contribution margin ratio. So it's like percent or rate how we grow our business and what margin we are taking from the profit that we have. So um, that's what we're calculating. And of course, um, when it comes to marketing campaigns, we often assess you know cost per customer, average order value, our conversion rate, and all that. So those types of metrics. That's amazing. All right. Now, I'll just side sidestep side a little bit and go back to coaching here because at the end of the day, I'll, I'll come clean. Like, just like Hustle Share, this is my therapy, right? As a founder, mm-hmm. I learn so much from the guests that I feature that ultimately makes me become a better founder when I'm running PA. Now, it's, you're still obviously coaching. How does that reciprocate now with what you do in, in Piazza? Obviously, you've been doing this since 2017, since you invited your mom and the first 15 people. You've grown a lot for sure. How does that reciprocate into this process now uh, that you're coming full circle and you're still doing it on the side and obviously you become better? How does that help you become a better leader and a better founder too? Coaching and, you know, doing business, it's not, it's not at all different. Correct. It's not at all different. You would have the same challenges. Of course, you would need to have the same mindset for you to be able to implement you know what you've learned and coaching kasi, as you teach you learn yeah you learn from coaching you learn by sharing your knowledge and business it's really similar but it has a lot of aspects to mm-hmm. it they say that you build business by building people 
And so I don't understand that at first, but eventually I was able to realize what that means. And true enough, you don't ask for sales. You ask for customers that, you know, you could make a difference to. Mm -hmm. That's what you do in coaching as well. You don't ask for increase of income. You Mm -hmm. ask for more people to change their lives. You ask for more lives that you can transform. Mm -hmm. The same with business. You don't ask for better revenue. You don't ask for increase of partner vendors, but you increase your vision. You increase your vision and mission to change that certain industry, to change that certain society. So for me, the more people you serve, it's going to be parallel to the income that you get. Mm. So if you want more income, then serve more people. It's same with coaching, same with business. Mm. If you want your business to increase, then serve more customers, then tap more customers and not just get money from them, but change their lives, transform their lives, and make sure that they get value from you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for such an amazing, amazing episode. Again, I knew a little bit about you, Janeka, but I am ending this episode being a big fan. But before I let you go, invite people over. What's next for you guys for Piazza? What should we look out for? And if they reach, they want to reach out and work with you, because I'm a fan now. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are listening to this like, whoo, Janika is such an amazing girl. I want to work with her. Where do they go and how do they do that? All right. Thank you so much, Ron, for inviting me. Um, it's such a pleasure. And I'm just honored right now, you know, being invited to Hustle Share. And I know a lot of people are listening right now. And I hope you, uh, you know, uh, you learned something and I hope that you had fun, you know, just listening to this episode. And yeah, for Piazza, we just launched on Google Play Store. Oh, you have an app. We're beta testing right now, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's ready to go. We'll soon launch on Apple Store. So you can browse your Apple Stores or Play Stores for Piazza and then you would find our app. And make sure to download it and, you know, test it out. Let us know your feedback. We'll be having an event launch. Tentative date is May 29. That's Monday. And, that's a uh, very nice in- day to launch. It's my birthday. <laughs> so that's is. good. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm not sure. It's a yeah. Monday. I need to grind. But thank you for the invite and congratulations. <laughs> Right, right. So that's in it for Piazza. And we're very excited to launch our app, show it to public. And we want to be more than a business who just sell parts, but we want to be an ecosystem for auto parts and definitely, definitely help a lot of car owners access parts and services. Absolutely. For someone who's lacking talier, I can easily see <laughs> this is going to work. For sure. But before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to. Again, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you did hear some jargon, it's going to be in the Hustle Share notes on hustleshare.com. And if you also want to be part of our community, you can go to the Hustle Share Premium Program on hustleshare.com as well. Again, Jonica, thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. 